Dayline, Salt Lake Herald Republican, October 15, 1910. Quote, Action taken by the present Board of County Commissioners bears with it the assurance that the county's poor, the old feeble people, folks helpless in their loneliness and inability to help themselves, are to be well taken care of. Plans accepted and under which bids will shortly be called for provide for a new county infirmary that will not only be modern and commodious, but will materially relieve the present situation in the care of the county's wards. The necessity for a modern infirmary has been felt in the inadequacies of the present quarters at 12th Street and State Street. At present, the infirmary has something over 100 occupants, overcrowded and little fitted to accommodate those requiring the aid of the county. The plans for the new building, as have been detailed before, provide for a building three stories in height with a basement. The first two floors of the new building will be taken up by men's quarters and will accommodate 100 persons. The third floor will be devoted to a hospital equipped for the care of 20 patients. With the completion of the new building, the present home of the infirmary will be utilized as quarters for the female wards of the county. With the plans for the new infirmary accepted, the Board of the County Commissioners will ask for bids probably in 10 days, and it is expected that with the funds available at present, at least a portion of the new building will be completed this year. End quote. I'm Wendy, this is Demolish Salt Lake, and the story of the Salt Lake County General Hospital. Hello and welcome to Episode 5. I've got my coffee, it's a beautiful Saturday morning, and I'm excited to talk about a hospital. Three of my all-time favorite historic buildings are hospitals, prisons, and schools. I think it's as much about the architecture as it is about the use of the building and what actually went on within its doors. This was a really fun one to research, so I hope you like it. Okay, let's talk some history. In October of 1885, the county purchased property on the northeast corner of what is now 2100 South and State Street. According to the Sanborn Fire Insurance maps from 1889, 1898, and 1911, this would have been the corner of 12th South and State Street. They purchased the land from Louisa Ferguson of New York City for $3,500 in order to build an infirmary and asylum. I think this is Louisa Wells Young Ferguson, daughter of Brigham Young and Emmeline Free. She was living in Manhattan with her husband James at the time, so it lines up, but I couldn't find any definitive proof. Infirmaries of the time were used to care for the sick, poor, and elderly who could not take care of themselves. They went by other names like poor houses, poor farms, and almshouses. Often people were referred to as inmates instead of patients or residents. From what I could find out about this original infirmary, that was the case for its use. I'm not quite sure about the asylum aspect because the Territorial Insane Asylum in Provo existed and housed those deemed, or thought to be deemed, mentally ill. But I'll get to more about that a little bit later. This first infirmary was built relatively small and looked like more of a house than a facility. Looking at the Sanborn Fire Insurance map from 1889, it was a two-story building, the dining room was on the southeast corner, and the kitchen was attached to the back. The rest of the building would have been used for the residents. There were six outbuildings, a laundry, granary and vegetable cellar, storage, another cellar, 
and a corral and a hog pen. It also most likely had a farm that the residents worked, and that, along with the cows and the hogs, would have made it somewhat self-sufficient. Many of the people that died while living in the infirmary were buried at the county's expense in paupers' graves. In fact, there is a section of the Salt Lake City Cemetery with paupers' graves. I have a story about that that I'll get to in just a little bit. In the early 1890s, the infirmary needed to be expanded, so an annex was built. Jumping to the 1898 Sanborn Fire Insurance map, it shows that the annex was built on the southeast corner of the lot. This new addition cost about $3,000. It was one story, built of brick and stone, and could accommodate 50 people. The men were moved to this building, which left the other building to house the women. The Sanborn map also shows that part of the lot was designated for a vegetable garden. I also spy on the map the original orphan's home and day nursery just north of the infirmary. If you remember back to episode 2, this is where the home was before moving to 12th East and 1300 South. Now back to the pauper's graves. In my research, I came across an article from the Salt Lake Tribune dated May 11th, 1905 titled, Awaits a Pauper's Burial that talks about Lucille Dilks. She was removed from her home at 437 South 2nd East and placed in the infirmary. She was unable to work and tried to support herself off of the 75 cents a week she received from the county and taking in other people's laundry. Unfortunately, this was not enough for Lucille and she was slowly starving to death, which initiated her move to the infirmary where she died from a stroke. She did not have any family or friends who were willing to take on her funeral arrangements, so she was buried at the county's expense in a pauper's grave. The article did not mention which cemetery. I did a bit of researching for more information about Lucille, but I wasn't able to find anything more about her. Around 1904, talk of a new infirmary building began. The county had outgrown the current space, which seems to be a constant problem for the hospital over its lifetime. They also wanted room to separate the patients with chronic and contagious illnesses from the rest of the residents to keep the diseases from spreading. By 1910, plans provided for a new three-story building and a basement. The first two floors would be the men's quarters and could accommodate up to 100 inmates. Yep, still referring to them as inmates. The third floor would be devoted to a hospital that could care for up to 25 patients. The current building would then be used to house the women. The 1911 Sanborn fire map shows quite a change to the site. The new men's quarters was a large adobe building located where the vegetable garden once was. In addition to the wards on the first and second floor, there was also a dining room and a kitchen on the first floor, operating room on the third floor, and laundry and quarters for the staff in the basement. The old men's quarters building was torn down. The granary and vegetable cellar were turned into storage and a new morgue was built. The cost of all this new construction was around $200,000. In 1913, under the direction of the superintendent, Dr. C.C. Snyder, a nurse's home and training school was opened on the grounds of the infirmary. This was an accredited three-year BSN program affiliated with the University of Utah, according to an article in the Salt Lake Tribune from December of 1913. 
The training would offer more in the way of caring for patients with a wide range of infectious and contagious diseases than other institutions offered. The women would gain practical experience in the isolation hospital as well as the general wards. Students received $10 a month and all expenses, including room and board, were paid for. One student that attended the school was Marva Christensen Hanchett. From an early age, she showed interest in medicine, often taking care of her family members who had become ill. In 1927, she left Sevier County to attend the school. She had waited a long time for this moment and was very excited for this opportunity. The first six months of her training consisted of full days of classes, demonstrations, and studying. Once she finished this part of her training, she was assigned a shift on one of the wards. Marva spent time in the red isolation building where those with contagious diseases were sent. Unfortunately, she came down with pneumonia from her time in that ward and was sent home to recover until she was well enough to return. During her time at the school, the infirmary was often over capacity with sick patients. Nurses often worked six days a week, took their classes, and studied in what little off hours they had. The nurses often did some of the work that the interns and doctors did because they were overworked as well. Marva pushed through all this and graduated with her diploma. She returned to Sevier County and being the only registered nurse in the area, the doctors welcomed her assistance. In January of 1934, she set up the first regular public health program in Sevier County. Later, she was the nursing supervisor of the Sevier Valley Hospital in Richfield. In November of 1957, she was asked to be acting nurse supervisor of eight nearby counties, and eventually she ended up covering about one-fifth of the state of Utah. She did all this while raising and caring for her own family. She worked in a variety of clinical services, promoted immunizations and better health education, and recruited new professionals as needed. Upon her retirement in 1974, she was celebrated for her dedication to advancing nursing and medical practices in Utah. As in most of the country in 1914, tuberculosis was a major health problem in Salt Lake. To accommodate patients with the disease, a makeshift sanitarium was constructed on the flat roof of the infirmary. Tents were put up to house the patients. In the fall, the tents were boarded halfway up to protect them during the winter. Can you imagine spending the winter on a roof in a tent while suffering from tuberculosis? In 1917, an isolation ward was built and all patients with contagious diseases were moved there. That was the red building I referred to in Marva's story. A large U-shaped building east of the infirmary with enough room to care for 300 people was dedicated in 1921. This building, made of brick, concrete, and steel, was designed by the architectural firm of Pope and Burton. Hiram Pope also worked on the Holy Trinity Greek Church, St. Paul's Episcopal Church, Highland Park Ward Building, and the Fish and Game Building at the Utah State Fair Park. This new building would be used as the county infirmary, which meant all those referred to as inmates, the poor, the sick, and the old, were moved to this building, allowing for the older building to be strictly devoted toward medical, surgical, and obstetrical cases. The name was also changed to the Salt Lake County General Hospital. A look at the 1950 Sanborn Fire Insurance map 
shows a very large campus for the Salt Lake County General Hospital. The two buildings from the late 1800s and 1911 still stand. There is the addition of the nurse's home, the new county infirmary building, a heating plant and laundry, the red brick isolation ward, two greenhouses, and another building that I'm not sure what it was used for. Interestingly, there is also marked an underground passage to the boys' home, which left me with so many questions like, what was the boys' home? Where was that at? Is the passageway still there? And how cool would it be if it was still there? So I put all that down on my list of things to research, and I'll get back to you on that one. So with all the buildings, all the different wards moved around a lot. I'm not even going to cover all the moving around of the wards and the patients, but I do want to talk about the addition of one ward in 1945. Remember back at the beginning of the episode when I mentioned the asylum? Well, let's talk about that for a minute. In 1945, a new psychopathic unit, their words, not mine, was opened at the Salt Lake County General Hospital. An article in the Salt Lake Telegram from August of that year states, and I quote, There are four wards in the new quarters with complete facilities for the most modern care for patients. These quarters are not for permanent housing of psychopathic cases, but a place in which to hold patients temporarily until medical examination is completed and the courts make disposition of them, end quote. This new ward also alleviated the county jail from housing these patients. The unit was equipped with electrical shock treatment and hydrotherapy tubs for prolonged hot water baths. I'm not exactly sure where this unit was located in the hospital, but I did find an article that talked about rooms in the basement with thick, bare stone walls, cement floors, and heavy metal doors. These doors had tiny observation windows and a flap at the bottom just big enough to slide a tray of food into the room. Definitely a dark period in our understanding of mental health. I have more to say about this, but I'm going to hold off on it for another episode in the future. From 1942 to 1965, the hospital served as a clinical training facility for the University of Utah medical students. In 1965, the new University Hospital opened, essentially ending the 80-year run of the Salt Lake County General Hospital. Everyone and everything was moved to the new University Hospital and the old one was shut down. Salt Lake County moved their offices into the buildings until the mid-1980s when all the buildings were systematically demolished and replaced with the ones you now see on the corner of 2100 South and State. No offense to the architects of these buildings, but in my humble opinion, they just don't compare to the architecture of the hospital. Check out the pictures on my Instagram and Facebook page, and then imagine how much character the corner would have if the county had decided to put money into adaptive reuse of the buildings rather than demolition and new construction. I talk a lot about losing the stories of buildings when they're demolished, but we also lose our sense of identity and community, as well as the craftsmanship and energy that was put into the buildings. I think Bob Yap, a guy who really knows his stuff about historic preservation, said it best. You never own a house. You are a steward of the house. 
We really need to work on being better stewards of our historic built environment. Head over to my Instagram and my Facebook pages at Demolish Salt Lake Podcast to see pictures of some of the buildings and people that I talked about in today's episode. You can also follow me on Twitter at Demolished SL Pod. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. I love to read your reviews. Huge shout out to everyone who participated in the poll to decide that this episode would be about the Salt Lake County General Hospital. I'll be back in two weeks with the other choice for the poll, which was the Utah State Penitentiary. I'll see you then.